In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by bad marketing ideas involving really cheap beer. Welcome in to episode 74 of the Gospel Friends. I am Reverend Verbage. I am Chase, Captain Crunchy Thompson. I am not yet Nuclear Nick and very interested in what that's going to be. And I am the Nasally General. <laughs> Welcome in, General. The Nasally General. I thought it would be 74 months, which I understand is the minimum sentence for a husband who uh, somehow hits his wife in the face. Hey, I did not hit her in the face. I kicked a chair, and the chair moved into her cheek. That's fine. Tell it to the judge. <laughs> little, anyway, uh, what is yours? What little, your friend friend little pre-show antics in the Hall of Dogma, as my wife visited earlier. Well, antics. Look, it's, a, it's a good thing that you're a uh, pastor and not a uh, NFL player, because... I was mimicking... That's what they called it in the 1600s, <clears throat> antics. I was mimicking Chase this morning at our staff meeting when he was so depressed and mad that it brought everybody else go, down yeah. and all, oh. almost made us cancel church. In Chase's I defense, had, he, was in a, he, was a, he was in a pastoral staff meeting, so he, yeah. had a, <laughs> he had a good reason to be depressed and angry. I had also just broken my toe, so I was kind of – I was hurting. So I was, I was pretending to hurt be Chase. people hurt people. I was – good line. I was pretending to be Chase, and I kicked a, a big uh, stack of chairs that we have over here, and my wife was standing behind it, and it – Bumped into her. Well, but it she felt was like she fine. was hiding behind. She it. was fine. She was like she laughed. Maybe she was chasing. We just didn't realize. She it. laughed. No, the signs are everywhere. She laughed. She, well, y'all saw her. Yes, laugh. you probably t-shirt to laugh. <laughs> in June, Antics. in uh, in June of 1974, the Cleveland Indians staged an ill-advised 10-cent beer night for a game against the Texas Rangers. <laughs> ill-advised. Cleveland forfeited the game after alcohol-fueled mayhem and violence spread from the stands onto the field. So, mm. uh, 10-cent beer night, wow. not, not a good idea, at least in the 70s. When I was in college, there was this place that had nickel beer night. Really? Yep. Did you go? Yep. Did it go well? Eh. What kind of beer was it? <laughs> it was just like this cheap draft beer. So how many? Uh, all right. So if Chase, if Chase could come across a uh, nickel beer, oh boy. and he drinks two beers a year, you could fund like a lifetime worth of beer for for like a couple of dollars. For like a, that's awesome. For like a buck, yeah. that'd work out well for you. It would, man. The rest of us, it would. We'd have to have more nickels. Hey, look, my beer budget is small, so I don't have to worry about it like you guys do. You lushes <laughs> with your drinking and your antics let me and give your you a, kicking your wives and all that kind of stuff. Let me give you a real quick tip on how to help your beer budget. I'm, I'm listening. If one of your buddies has a birthday party yep. that you're supposed to bring him beer, yeah, you take the beer over there and then just whatever doesn't get consumed, take it home with you. Oh, oh so, like, so if everybody no. brings a, a six-pack to the party – and there's like seven or eight six packs over. Yep. And you're not the birthday guy, but you're one of his friends, and you take all those take, beers. No, home. take take the beer that you brought 
plus yeah. other people's beers, right? No, no, just your own beer. Oh, okay. It would be rude to take other people's beer. I thought you took other people's no, beer. No, I just too. took my own back. Okay, yeah. I haven't been invited back to one of his birthday parties since then. <laughs> yeah, that's a little strange. That goes, I wonder against, why. That goes against beer etiquette. <laughs> well, so I did Or gift etiquette. <clears throat> yeah, you're supposed to leave it there. But it was not unless it, they tell you, "Hey, you can take your stuff." Back. Well, see, they didn't tell us that then it was. Then you have to deny, like you have to say, "No, no, no, you keep it." And they say, "No, you take it back with you." Then you can do it. But see, they didn't tell us that it was a gift. I, I didn't understand that. They just said, "Hey, come over, bring some beer. We're going to have a." If you the, and I just I just took the beer that I the did. thought of blessing and showing kindness no. to another person was lost on you. I am shocked if, by if that. You Whatever a, you bring stays there. That's just the rule in general. Is there like a? I mean, is there a book that this is written down in? The man book, yeah, common courtesy. <laughs> okay, like you if you if you have a potluck book. at church and you bring food and all the food doesn't get eaten, you take the rest back with you. Why isn't beer the same way? Because the food that you bring at a potluck is in your dish, so you have to take it back. Well, with you. I did. You can't leave your dishes because that's nasty. I they figured out how to remedy building. the situation. Um, next time, I'm going to buy a six pack, but I'm only going to take two beers in. That's even worse. And then I, if, I need, if I need more beer, I'll go out and get it. And then that way, the beer's already in, in the car, and I can just say, will that work? Yeah, I'll just bring a, a two-pack. You're a scoundrel. You're not getting back invited back to Josh's for a long time. I haven't been. Well. Unless he has some sort of Bible study. Unless, oh, unless, he, has, unless, he, hasn't had a, unless he hasn't had a birthday in like three years. So, All right. Anyway. Because I, I haven't been back. So what is it we do here on this show? Talk about beer, abuse, antics, that sort of thing? No, we talk about uh, more oh, serious subjects. Really? Yeah. Really? This is starting off like yeah, a no. serious show. What are we talking about today? Uh, we're going to talk about a... Um, a Emmanuel's going to need a six-minute skip this episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, see, so we're going to talk about... In just a moment, we're going to answer the question that we were asked... On the last podcast. Okay, what was that question? That question was, so we were, we were dealing with the topic of those who've never heard the gospel. Yep. Uh, what happens to them when they die? That sounds like a serious question. It was. And so someone asked us to talk about children, that children who <coughs> pass away before the age of accountability, I'm doing air quotes, uh-huh. uh, what happens to them? And so we're going we're gonna to deal with that question in just a moment. So you're telling me that we expect people to listen to the first eight minutes of the show and then, for whatever reason, respect our answer on one of the huge unanswered questions of life like that? Well, some, yes. of, the, some of the early eight minutes go better than that particular did, So, okay. in fairness. And then we're going to talk about uh, – what were you thinking? We're going to talk about a, um, uh, a burglar who broke into a couple's house in Oregon, took all of his clothes off, and climbed in bed with them. Oh, that happens more than you think it does. And <laughs> what it does. And we're going to save it. Save, and it, it, for the yeah, save it for the segment because, in particular, we're going to talk about nope. an, oh, anti gun people like Chase, how they would handle that situation. So, throwback. Hope to, the sword is nearby. Throwback to. Uh, okay, so then, <laughs> uh, so so then we're going to uh, we're going to talk about this is the special Halloween edition of the Gospel Friends episode seventy three. We're going to deal with the question that every church pastor has had to deal with at some point in his tenure, and that is, should Christians celebrate Halloween? Sorry. We're going to go around the table, and we're going to ask each host, are you, when it comes to Halloween, do you believe we should run from it, redeem it, or be all in? So talk about that, and 
think we're also going to deal with ghosts in the Bible as well as our own personal scariest unexplained story. That sounds kind of creepy. Well, we'll see. And then we're closing out with a movie review featuring the general. What movie are we covering today? General. Woodlawn. Woodlawn. A Christian movie that the general went and saw. He didn't pay money for it, though. No, it was free. Whoa, how did you do that? My church uh, rented out a theater to see it. So Wow. Well, you think you have a fancier church than yes. us. Our church rented a red box one time. <laughs> that was, and we had to have two offerings for that. <laughs> Not the whole box, just like one disc. Oh, I know. It was still two offerings. All right, yeah. Those things so. have gone up to like $1.40 now. They, yeah. they are. Well, they always cost me $11 because um, <laughs> my wife <laughs> – kids carried around in the van for eight days after hey, they've watched it it's not enough that you would kick your wife in the face now you're gonna blame her for the red box ordeal uh, look Do you she, have a working vehicle she is notorious for now you're gonna call her notorious yeah, she's written notorious she's notorious for renting one of those red box movies and then not carrying it back for days on end episode 74 let's start with the question from miss debbie atwood Shouldn't we pray or something before we Why, get into this question? We did that earlier. Okay. Wife of Mr. Chris Atwood, uh, represented here by a man in underwear on the table. Plastic <laughs> Chris Atwood. Plastic Pastor Chris Atwood. Yep, oh, that's right. True. Plastic Very Pastor true. Chris Atwood. All right, so here we go. Children who die before the age of accountability. What happens to a child who has... Uh, never made a profession of faith, and they have not reached an age of accountability. Uh, what happens to those kids? Chase, take it away. Good heavens. Really? You're going to throw it to me that early on? Um, you want me to throw it to someone else? How, how about we start here? Who? Let's start with the age of accountability question because that's kind of a was kind of a part of it. If you ask me... Is there an age of accountability in the Bible? I say no. I, I don't think that's a biblical term. I don't think you find that. So does what, what do you guys think about that? Do you believe there is an age of accountability? So age of accountability being essentially an age that prior to that age, let's say it's 13. That's a common one that was th- – that's thrown out because uh, Jewish boys were considered adults uh, at 13. So prior to this age, God would not hold you responsible for your actions, and if something happened to you, you would be considered innocent and would go to heaven. After that age, you're considered accountable for your actions and for the gospel, and you would go to heaven or hell based on whether or not you'd come to know Christ. So do you, gentlemen, I, I say that that is, age of accountability is not a biblical, not a strong biblical case for that. What do you say? Any, any different thoughts there? I don't advocate for a defined age, but I have, I, I don't have a problem. Based on the conversation we're going to have, I don't have a problem with the thought that there's an age where there would be mercy shown. Um, I don't have a problem with the idea that boys are considered more responsible at a particular age, um, but that wouldn't relate to salvation for me. So the Israelite man at 13 kind of principle, 
I don't have any any problem with you know expecting more or whatever as kids get older. But for my salvation thing, from a salvation perspective, having a defined age, I don't. Yeah, I'm talking about salvation yeah. issues. I don't think on the other. So you would say no, not not an age in which not a defined. There's a cutoff. Yeah, I can't say after your 13th birthday, don't sin or you're going to hell. I wouldn't say that. Emmanuel. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's a. I definitely don't think it's in the Bible anywhere. Um, I'm not even sure where we even came up with that. Uh, but um, I do think that there. I do think that it makes sense, and I hate to argue from logic. I know people are big on logic these days, but I don't think that's how God operates. But I do think, in a sense, that that God judge, may judge people differently based on age, based on um, mental capacity. Um, I think there's a chance that that is possible. Okay, we'll come back to that in just a second because we're going to dive more in, into it. I will say that as far as age of accountability, you do have the, the those who argue from the Jewish custom that a, a child became an adult at 13. There was also uh, some some see a link between the age of accountability and the covenant relationship, the nation of Israel and the Lord, where there was no requirement imposed on a male child to be included in the covenant other than circumcision, which was performed on the eighth day after his after his his birth. Uh, and so some people will point there, uh, and of course, then you have to add, answer the question: Does the uh, old covenant apply to the church? So I, I just don't i I don't believe that. There's a firm case in the Bible for the age of accountability. What say you, Chase? All right, so I'm going to try to make a biblical case for an age of accountability. Um, I, I don't like the phrase age of accountability, number one. I affirm John 14, 6. In fact, it's my probably my favorite verse, my life verse. Uh, Jesus says he is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And I do not have an almost universalistic understanding of that verse like, a, like somebody like C.S. Lewis kind of does. Uh, but I, I think you can infer uh, an age of accountability from certain scriptures. So I'm going to throw these out, and you guys can decide whether um, you can infer that or not. Uh, a lot of these are Old Testament scriptures, but and, and I know that's Old Covenant. But I think in this particular case, it might still apply here. Okay, again, this is inferring. Inferring is not uh, direct evidence. Inferring is to deduce or conclude from evidence and reasoning rather than from explicit statements. All right, so here we go. This is an inference of age of accountability. Deuteronomy 1. Mm, uh, Old Testament. The Old Testament, that's I right. I think you liked Old Testament. Uh, he didn't last week. <laughs> Old Testament Dude. doesn't apply when it comes to weapons. But age of accountability does. Go ahead. Well, I, I mean, in, in cases where the New Testament, I think the New Testament supersedes some of the Old Testament. Whoa, that's kind of a that's that's a big statement there. That too. was a big statement. <laughs> All right. So basically, just I mean, we don't need to print it. I didn't. I didn't say that. Look, I love the Old Testament. I teach the Old Testament uh, from time to time. All right. Somebody let you ahead. teach the Old Testament. Yeah, it's pretty surprising, isn't it? It's scary. <laughs> All right, so Deuteronomy 1, Well, the test, the test for his class uh, is, is one question. Does the Old Testament count for anything, yes or no? Of course it does. It, it, when when Everyone Paul writes yes. about all scriptures being God-breathed, as he's talking the, about the Old Testament. As long as the New Testament doesn't address anything, it's 
the Old Testament is good. I would quite agree with that. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right, mean, keep going. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I agree with some of that. Right. Okay, so Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 1, 37, 38, 39 in particular. Because of you, the Lord became angry with me also and said, you shall not enter it, the, the promised land, either. But your assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him because he will lead Israel to inherit it. And here we go, verse 39. And the little ones that you said would be taken captive... Your children who do not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land. I will give it to them, and they will take possession of it. That is not the only time God talks about children and says that about them, uh, that they do not know good from bad. That That is an interesting turn of phrase. All right, Numbers 14 uh, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? Tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. In this desert, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who is counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home. Um, Except Caleb... And Joshua, son of Nun, as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. So all 20-year-olds, except for Joshua and Caleb, uh, 20 and up, did not enter the promised land, but the 20 and others did. And I believe that's not the only time. In fact, no, it's not the only time because uh, Exodus 30 also has that 20-year-old dividing line. So Exodus 30, verse 11, Then the Lord said to Moses, When you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he is counted. Then no plague will come on them when you number them. Each one who crosses over to those already counted is to give half a shekel, according to the sanctuary shekel. Skip down to verse 15. All who cross over, those 20 years old or more, are, are to give an offering to the Lord. Again, there's that 20 years or more line. You can't make something hard and fast out of that, but I think you can infer something from that. Mark ten fourteen. Jesus tells his disciples not to keep the children away from him, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what exactly is meant by that? Matthew 18. i got a couple more. I'll be done. Matthew 18. Jesus called the little child uh, over. Um, oh, wait. That was Matthew 18. Now, here's, here's maybe... Maybe the weightiest New Testament passage. Now, again, you, you intelligent people will disagree with this one, but Romans 7, verse 7. That'd be me. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not. Actually, I meant reasonable men will disagree. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the <laughs> and law. David stay silent. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every part of covetous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead. Once, this is Romans 7 verse 9, once I was alive apart from law. But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. Once I was alive apart from law. That's interesting. Where was Paul alive? When was Paul alive apart from the law? He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about pre-salvation. That's, that's 
that's kind of interesting. Matthew 18, Jesus uh, talks about the, the looking down on the one, uh, the, the not looking down on little ones, for their angels in heavens always see the face of, his, of the Father in heaven. All right, so Chase Thompson, hater of Catholics, dispensationalist, <laughs> lover hate. of liberal political theology on guns, you believe up until the age of 20 you can do whatever you want and still go to heaven. All right. Well, real so quick. So here we go. <laughs> Move on to the next. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> is that what you said? Actually, because no, what's funny it. is you mentioned um, the first reference you mentioned was kids who know right from wrong. Yes. And I know a lot of 20-year-olds, and they've known right from wrong, even though they completely ignore it, for a very long time. So that seems to be at odds to me. Yeah. Look, That's look, why it's hard to define that age to I, me. I, I agree with you. And I don't think the Bible – I'm not necessarily saying I would set it at 20 or that the Bible okay, sets it at right. 20. I'm just – I'm doing some inferring from Fair some point. of those scripture that some of this might be <laughs> – right, well, If you had to double down on the age, what would you What would you go with? Well, if I had a bet – if I had a bet on an age – yeah. I, Gosh, could it, I mean, is is it possible that one of the reasons, if there is such a thing as an age of accountability, is it possible that one of the reasons why it's not uh, there's not a hard defined age in the Bible is because it could be different for the person based on that's revelation was, and inspiration? I, that's what I was about to well, say. That's how I was. That's how I was always taught growing up is that there there's no defined age. It it, it depends on each individual. Everybody kind of um, cut it off at twelve or thirteen that I ever kind of talked to. But it was somewhere in that ten to twelve range, but no one would ever commit to one. All right, I need I need to to toe the good um, biblical line for a moment. I was going to say Calvinist, but I decided just to insert the word biblical. Yeah, because those are different. So because uh, they're, they're the same. Uh, all right, here's the thing. I I, I want. And no wonder people call you guys arrogant. It's um, <laughs> at the at the. I feel like perhaps, and I, I, I'm going to say this, I'm saying this understanding that there may even be people listening to the podcast right now who's, who've lost a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, my wife and I had a miscarriage uh, in the, the, the first pregnancy that, that she had. Um, I certainly do not know the, I know the sting of that. I do not know the sting of uh, losing a child at a, at a young age. Um, and, pray that that is not a a trial that I ever know but I wonder I feel like perhaps the doctrine of age of accountability have we come up with that out of good biblical inference or have we come up with that as a way of dealing with grief looking for hope that a child goes to heaven and wanting to find the biblical justification that all children would go to heaven who pass away so is it a is it a is it really there and obvious or are we trying to find it there to help deal with the grief of a loss of a child can the answer not be yes in the, to both in that life forces hard questions on you and you know some questions take a lot of time and, and prayer and, and looking to I do think we should look in the Bible for hope don't don't I don't want to, I don't want to get me wrong I'm going to make the case I think that we do have hope 
well, for a person who's lost a child, but I don't think that hope falls in an age of accountability. That's that's, well, that's where fair, I'm, but that's what I'm driving at. Well, that's fair. I don't I, think age of accountability is the place to place our hope. Well, that's fair. I, I look at the story of David as much as anything else, where you know I think you have the mind, you, you have the picture that David expects to be in the better of two afterlives um, from his life, um, and he presumes that his child that he loses will be there with him as well. And so that's also something you can use. Now, no, yeah, that, that, that falls a, more into a, the miscarriage camp. Um, do we want to talk about the feedback we got on this, or do we want to say yeah, that? Yeah, that, that passage is the Second Samuel passage, the Second Samuel uh, 21 through 23, and David um, essentially stops mourning mm-hmm. when the child dies. Mm-hmm. And he does that and says, you know, um, when the child was alive, I fasted and wept and mm-hmm. said, who knows, maybe the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he's died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Uh, the answer there, of course, no. I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. So, uh, you know, David in that passage expected that he would see his child again one day because he would go to be where his child, you know, where his child mm-hmm. was. Um, and but that doesn't mean that it that it would actually happen. I mean, David could have just been saying stuff, or that it happens with every in every situation. Yeah, I'm just saying you can't say that. You can't say it from just that one passage. And I'll and I'll uh, I'll go heretical here for a second. So all you uh, get cessationist uh, might want to tune out right here. Um. Everything that we need to know is not in the Bible. Hmm. Sometimes God deals with us on certain things on a personal level um, because oh, he does still speak. You make the and man. so <laughs> God may have let David know that he was going to see him again. And I'll say this from experience, and I won't go into details, but um, having experienced, well, I guess I, I haven't experienced a miscarriage, but, but I've gone through a miscarriage. Uh, and the the baby didn't i think i think the baby made it to almost 5 months mm. and she had a miscarriage and god let me know that the baby was with him i won't go into how and, and why and all that but um so i have no doubt in my mind that that baby um is in heaven now do i think that is normal for everybody i don't know i mean as far as does every baby you know, go to heaven. I don't know. Um, but I, in my situation and it's anecdotal, but you know, I, I, God kind of gave me reassurance that the baby was in heaven. It was there. So, uh, you know, in answering the question, so getting, I'd like to give a right take. Uh, and I started off, started off with age of accountability and we do have some feedback from, uh, uh, listeners. Well, so I, I, I'm the point that, that I was making was essentially, Emmanuel, what you're saying is that, uh, you know, I just don't know that age of accountability is the place to hang our hat and look for hope uh, because I think if that's if that's the place where we seek our hope, then it's, it's just dicey to me because how do you know if your child has reached that age and and what does that look like and would that keep you from, you know, would you want to try to keep them in that age of accountability as long as you could so you don't teach them 
you know, a lot about right or wrong until you absolutely have to because you don't want to awaken that knowledge. I just think it's I just think it's a little dicey. I in for our miscarriage for someone who would would come to me and say I've lost a child, where is hope? Um I believe that it is not only possible, but I think it is probable that God in a way that we don't understand applies Christ's work on the cross to those who just cannot believe mentally the gospel, whether that is a child who has not reached that age yet or to an individual who is handicapped and doesn't have the mental capacity. And I believe that because I I believe it is consistent with God, a God of love, and God, a God of mercy. And, and I believe that's the hope. I believe the hope is in the character of God. I don't think it's possible to just say, you know, dogmatically because of that passage from Second Samuel or because of the age of accountability that, yes, any child under this age in this situation, you know, place your hope there uh, because they had not yet reached the age of accountability. I do believe you can place your hope in a loving, merciful God, and I think it's consistent with his character to apply the sacrifice of Christ to those who just can't mentally grasp the gospel. So I would say hope in him and hope in his character. That, that, that's, that's my answer to the question of what... That's funny, because to me it feels like you're saying the same thing. I understand you're... you're Pushing the person. Well, let me say it all over again. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I find it. Look, it's not. I'm not going to be able to stop you from doing it. Yeah, never stopped um, before. Yeah, thank you. But it's just interesting because it's it. You're basically saying don't hope in the age. Yes, you should still have Hoping hope, God. but don't don't trust in the age age of accountability. It's, but it's just funny because you're you're still giving them the hope in the same practical. I think I think uh, the hope's there. I think yeah. we should have hope. I just don't think it's no, in, it's a, well. It's a good. It's, I don't think it's, it's the way that I grew up, which is well. You know, they had not yet reached the age of accountability, and, and so you're, they you're would be safe. right. People have said that a lot, and that indicates not a hope in the character of God. That it indicates a hope in some sort of arbitrary line or rule. That not even God would violate. Well, and, I, and that's what I was going to say because it's, it's funny because to me I hear him saying, "Oh no, the people should still have hope," but it's yeah, it's putting the I it's just putting the think it's not faith in God's good character. There may even be. I think I thing. think Chase brings a very good litany of passages that and and, and the, the litany he says the, the Romans seven I think is is that's really intriguing. There may even be an age. I, I'm just saying that's not where the hope is. It's yeah, not in yeah, us yeah. finding that number. It's, that's fine. It's yeah, that, that's. That's, and I, have, I had a friend. I told you this before the show, but I had a friend who lost her daughter last night mm. in, a, in a one. She uh, wrecked her car. She was seventeen. And if she came to me and asked me about the age of accountability, I would not point her that route. I would just tell her to trust God. You know, even with the unthinkable. That you know your your hope is in the mercy of God and His character, not in you know the fact that she wasn't twenty or she wasn't you know a, legally an adult or something like that. Yeah. Like I would never use the age of accountability yeah. in a pastoral way. Like I I think that is a kind of a cop out 
kind of a appeal to uh, emotion rather than appeal to to biblical truth. In uh, neither one of those answers is going to be satisfactory at the time, anyway. Yeah. But uh, I, I'd, I'd err on the side of God's character, not on the side of uh, an arbitrary age. Well, see, you know, I I have a six year old and an almost five year old, and even with them, to the degree they can comprehend who Jesus is now. I push them, I I instruct them, lead them to trust him because it's, it's what you're saying. I, I don't know when that age kicks in. If, if I believed in in a defined age of accountability, I would, I would think both of them would fall under it still. But because I know that the thing they can hope in is Jesus to the, to the degree they can understand them, him at almost five, six, eight, 10, I push them to, and I understand their, Understanding and revelation of him will increase as they get older, but that is the only. It's what you said. I mean, that's their hope. So that's it's a good discussion. Well, I'd like to give some feedback from uh, good old Angus O'Malley, <laughs> also known as Ian Mackey. He's from, uh, are you sure it's Ian Mackey? New South Wales, is he not? Is he not Australian? Is uh, I thought he was from Ireland. Oh my bad, my home country. Oh, okay, no. all right, Belfast then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. So Ian Mackey. Uh, We're he just kidding. kidding. He wrote us. He wrote us in last week, uh, and um, uh, let me give you a few points. He said, um, "I'm looking forward to the discussion uh, upcoming on children and uh, those who who die before the age of accountability." Uh, and he said he just wanted to give some feedback. And I think he mentioned some interesting things here. He said, first, when talking about heaven, we we often focus on meeting our loved ones again. Have you noticed that the Bible never does that? Now, I'm definitely not saying we will not see loved ones who die in faith, but we often have the wrong emphasis. The biblical emphasis is on seeing Christ and being with God. Secondly, he says, on the specific question of what happens to infants, I don't think we can abs- uh, we can be absolutely certain of what happens. There are hints that they will be in heaven, but I don't think the Scripture gives a definitive answer. What we can be certain of is that whatever happens, whatever God does, He is the one who makes the final decisions, and He will be totally just, loving, and merciful. Which I think is a really good point. Very similar to what I was saying earlier. Yeah, well, I'm surprised. Maybe said better. What, what Ian said, what Emmanuel said, Genesis eighteen twenty five, uh, is the question is uh, is asked: Will not the Judge of all the earth do right? And I think he will. And obviously, we don't determine the morality of God's actions, but I think in this particular case, he will. And he he makes a Ian makes a, a final really good point too: is that there's a sharp distinction between the theological question and the emotional question. Yeah, there sure is, and, and I, absolutely, you know, in you know what. When it, you know, comes to the, um, you know, theological issue, uh, those first two points may be satisfactory. But when it comes to counseling uh, parents who've lost a child, the matter's you know completely difficult. Well, you know, what do we what do we say? Indeed, can we say anything? We could give comforting words, but do they come out of a desire to comfort, or are they based on the reality of the word? And uh, and, and I think that's I'm absolutely right. There's a there's a difference in just talking theologically about it and actually counseling with someone who's going through that. Uh, but, but I, I do, I just believe at the end of the day, it is the, it is the character of God that gives us 
hope in those situations. Can I throw out two more verses to see if you guys think they are uh, applicable? You can, but you have almost reached your max number of verses we allow in one episode of The Gospel <laughs> Friends, so I'm this is going to be the last two. If I talk about beer for a while, can I have some more verses? Yes, but you have to. You actually have to talk about ten beers to get okay. one verse. That's right. the formula. That makes sense. That sounds fair and moral and righteous. Okay, so is there is it possible that and I might be reaching here? In fact, I'm a little thinking I am reaching here. But is there possible that there's a linking between Matthew eighteen ten and Hebrews one fourteen? So Matthew eighteen ten says, "See that you do not look down." On one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in he- their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. That's Matthew eighteen ten, Hebrews one fourteen. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? There any you see any kind of connection there? Or maybe even with a, like a James one thirteen, which says, "After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death." That one's pushing it. Yeah, maybe. that's. I think it probably two, is too. I think that's interesting. I wouldn't preach it. Yeah, but I like it. I got you. God elected us before we were ever born, so. I, and I agree with that as a good Calvinist. Which you are. You just don't. Well, I'm a depraved Calvinist, but well, you are a Calvinist, yeah. but you just don't play one on the air because they get to, they have a bad rap. That's right. But what about the non-elect that he allows to choose? What about them? Ooh, that sounds a little okay. So there is sick there, isn't it? I don't know. All right, thank you for your question, Miss Debbie Atwood. We hope that we um, hope you don't regret it. <laughs> yeah, I hope you don't. I hope you don't regret it. Um, so we. Uh, we enjoy that. It's two weeks in a row that we have a question. So, if, you know, if you too have a deep theological question, please send and, it to the Gospel Friends, and we'll butcher it as well. Yeah, I mean, if you have a deep theological question and you're kind of crazy about who might want to answer it, you know, you like sticking your finger in a blender or something. Well, just send it our way. Yep. New, new segment: the butcher block. Hey, nice. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. We got anything else before? What were you thinking? I mean, is it time for what were you thinking? That's that's. Uh, it's usually where we go next. That's what is the next on the outline. Yeah, so we, we've been in this kind of, you know, slow, you know, place thinking about a really hard subject, and so now we're going to talk about um, naked burglars. That sounds completely reasonable. Which is pretty much what you get with this show. So what were you thinking? This is the segment where we take a look at um, just the crazy people in the crazy world that we live in, and uh, we're going to start in... Oregon. So I, I really, this is, uh, I, I brought this article because I, I wanted to kind of refer it back and, and get Chase's comments um, on this one, having a little fun with the uh, gun control segment. From, I have a gun. Gun control right? segment. I've shot people before. So Chase, since you, <laughs> oh, since, Chase, since you are anti-gun, uh, <laughs> I have a gun. I carry it. And I believe your actual quote was, you thought that owning a gun as a Christian was the unforgivable sin mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, uh, I said that. Sounds, well, sounds I, actually, I have yeah. a lot of guns. I have more than one. And swords, too. And Portland, you loathe yourself. How would, you handle, probably, how would probably. you handle this situation? Portland, Oregon, uh, a naked burglar. <laughs> what? A naked burglar. Okay. Who hopped into a Portland, Oregon couple's bed in the middle of the night. <laughs> 
wound up fleeing down the street after the male victim woke up and chased him with a gun, firing three shots. Now, very clearly, you wouldn't be able to do this, so just want to hang on and go and get your, get your thoughts. Police say uh, that the um, suspect, Dean Dufutis, broke into a Portland home around 3 a.m. on Thursday. Now, listen to this. He gathered items of value and then took his clothes off, climbed into the bed with a man and a woman, and then kissed the man. The oh. victim... The oh, victim, he's he's got to be shot. The victim woke up, and the suspect was um, holding a knife to him and kissing his head. Ooh. Now, see, I probably would. So the victim pushed the sub- suspect off of him, got his handgun, and, and began firing shots. So, Chase, being, being anti-gun, how would you handle that situation? If a man kisses you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. <laughs> No, I think that's a Whoa. misapplication. Oh. Well, look, man. So is we shouldn't own guns because Jesus said that. I, I own guns. I'm not a liberal. I, I just, shoot just play guns. one on the podcast. I told y'all I was making an argument, which, by the way, nobody has actually addressed the argument that I made. But be that as it may, look. I just like having fun, knife, having fun with you. Uh, you. You ever been in a knife fight? If you get in a fight with somebody with a knife and they know what you're doing, you're in trouble. I'd almost rather... Uh, be in a be mugged by somebody with a gun who doesn't really know how to use it versus somebody who really does know how to use a knife. I agree. Not, knives will mess you up. I mean, somebody's got awesome. a knife poked at me and kissing me and naked in bed. That's that's a problem. All right. So you said, Emmanuel, this happens a lot. Have you ran across a lot of instances of people breaking into homes and stripping off their clothes and climbing into bed with people? Maybe not with couples. I mean, obviously, we know that would happen. But it happens a lot where people who people get drunk yeah. and wander into the wrong house okay. and crawl into bed with other people. Now they weren't trying to burglarize the place, which I'm not sure if that guy was trying to steal anything or not. But but as far as people uh, going into the wrong house and crawling into bed with people, that happens more than you would think. Ugh. Well, I, I I really didn't imagine we would have a lot of discussion on that one. It was just more of me um, wanting to. To kind of play play yes. around with Chase a little yeah. bit, I think it's a sin. Uh, yeah, I think. I, I, look, if if I'm with Emmanuel, he just deserves to be shot. I, uh, you know, we probably all deserve I, to be I, shot. I, here's the thing: I but, probably uh, wouldn't have shot him for breaking in the house as much as I would have shot him for kissing me. Yeah, that's <laughs> like I, I could have. Like, I, if he's naked, he's in the house. I would have probably thought, okay, this guy's. He's a little mentally challenged. He has health problems. Something's wrong with him. I probably Surely. would try to resolve that without killing him. Once he kisses me, <laughs> it's all bets I have off. to kill all the witnesses. Like, all, he has to go now. All bets are off. Yeah. All right. So we had a story for Chase. Let's give it. Let's well, let's do a story for Nick. Nick, wake up, Nick. Wake oh, up. I'm awake. We're, I'm we're gonna go to we're gonna go to Poland, and you'll be there. Wait, soon. wait. Let me guess. It has to do with weed. No, it doesn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> is this no. a Polak citizens citizens who live citizens who live in Lodz, Poland, have discovered a new amenity in the form of a stress relief called the Rage Room, where they can smash household items with their weapon of choice. Nice. That <laughs> okay. sounds awesome. So Excellent. All right. So look, and a, any dude who doesn't think that sounds awesome is lying or doesn't have a man card anymore. All right. So here's what this guy has done. This guy has started a business. It's called the Rage Room. He's, a, he's opened it up in this town of Lowe's. Chase could use a sword and not compromise his toe. Yeah, he, he could. Yeah. Well, 
maybe. I don't know if you have to wear protective gear or not. The rage room consists of household items, and people are encouraged to go in and destroy whatever they want. So you, you, you pay this guy. Um, uh, it looks like maybe thirty-five euro. Are they on the euro for thirty minutes? Um, and you go in, it has all kinds of, it's got like televisions, radios, um, just furniture, and then it's got an, a litany of items that you can choose from, weapons, from uh, uh, swords, bats, and um, you have to wear a protective helmet, and then you can go in, and you have 30 minutes to smash TV sets, mirrors, coats, chairs, glasses, all other items that are placed in the room. Um, every item in the room, by the way, has been obtained for free. <laughs> from an uh, online recycling site just for this purpose. Uh, you can choose hammer, baseball bats, and go in and you have 30 minutes to just go to town. What do you think, Nick? Nuclear? I thought I covered this already. You like the idea? Yes. Okay. Only way, you, only, didn't have to, you didn't even have to go that much detail. To only that one way it could have been better. Right, Nick? Okay. Now you're <laughs> really? <laughs> this is about to become a rage room if you keep it up. Chase, how could it have been better for Nick? I don't know, but Poland has uh, zlotys, not euros. Oh well, how much is a how much is thirty five swine lizotis? I, I have no idea. I was just Dollar trying wise. to sound smart. Oh, okay. So, Did you just make that up? No, they do have zlotys, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. And I think euros euros also work in Poland, but you know, just zloty. It's kind of fun to say. Try it. No. Pilates. Pilates. No, you're close. All right. When I was in college, <clears throat> I'd get into these arguments on the phone with my girlfriend. And invariably, I would throw my phone at the concrete wall and smash it to pieces. Really? I used to have a bad temper. And my roommate one day was like, why are you breaking your stuff? <laughs> you're mad at her. Go over there and break her stuff. He was right. All right, so let's let's go around the table. What is the most expensive item you've ever broken when you were mad, Nick? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's probably going to be a, a smartphone of some kind. Really? Oh, jeez! You broken a, broken a smartphone? Oh yeah. Chase. Uh, it's a good upgrade plan. I don't know. A, maybe a a bat? No, a sledgehammer. Wait, you broke, broke a sledgehammer? <laughs> Yeah, I used, to, I used to take a sledgehammer out and go hit rocks when I was mad. And I broke a few that way. Okay, I broke a dresser drawer one time oh, on, a, on, a nice, on a nice piece of mm. furniture. I'm actually not sure that my wife knows I did it. I hope she doesn't listen to this. Well, uh, based on the earlier stuff, I hope she doesn't either. What about you? Oh, you've already said smartphone. Is that was that the most expensive thing? No, this was, this was before smartphones. This oh. was just a regular, just a regular cordless phone. Okay, which would have been expensive back then. <laughs> I think, I think the most it didn't belong to me, but I kicked somebody's front grill in of their car and smashed one of their headlights mm. with my foot. Mm. That's pretty bad to the bone. I like that. I, I don't know what the price is on that, but it's probably the most expensive thing I've broken on purpose. I used to break PlayStation controllers a lot. <laughs> Get mad playing the game. I'd snap some in two or throw some against the wall. Oh, dude, yeah. I, I went I went through PlayStation controllers quite a bit. Quite a bit. I don't know if they're, I've ever... They're, dude, there's such a good form factor that I you know, can just twist just, that thing. Yeah. Mm. In a very satisfying crack. <laughs> we would love to hear your comments on the most expensive thing you've ever broken. 
So we can guilt trip you Intentionally. Later. Intentionally, out of being mad. Final, what were you thinking for today? <laughs> oh, there's the joke there. From, um, actually, uh, this is uh, in the UK, I believe. Um, Ireland, then? So if yeah, we Ireland. ask for unintentional, never mind. That's the only country in the UK, right? Yeah. Get these mixed up. Yeah. Now, this is not. They have dollars there. This is not ha-ha funny. Oh, okay. So, but it's funny. Do you know what a. You know what this is a, a picture? This is a picture of? It is a uh, gentleman playing dominoes. It is a gentleman playing dominoes. However, he is no longer alive. This gentleman, um, the headline was, Dead Man Plays Dominoes at His Own Wake. So this is... This is um, oh, that's no. creepy. Yeah. It's not oh, funny no. at all. I, didn't say, I said it wasn't funny. So yeah. It's not ha-ha funny. A, a uh, this uh, gentleman passed away, and um, his mom hired a company to prop him up in front of a table of dominoes, giving him one last party to celebrate his send off to the great beyond. Um, and so, as part of the funeral, people would come in and sit at the table with him and have their picture made, friends and family. Oh, let me see that picture again. Because he liked dominoes, and so what they are you would. Doing? They're where well, they're sweeping up around him right now, getting everything ready, but. Oh my gosh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sleep well That's tonight. Gross. So have you ever heard of those? You ever heard of that? No. Yeah, so there was the dude from a few years ago who got, uh, he loved his motorcycle. Do you remember that one? I remember that. You remember that one? Yeah. So he loved his Harley, and his funeral was him propped up on top of his Harley, um, and, and people coming by and paying respects with him sitting on his Harley. And he was actually buried in the ground, they they lowered the Harley and everything down into the ground, and he was buried in a vault sitting on his Harley. That's a waste of a good Harley. Um, this guy playing dominoes. Uh, there's been several like this just uh, that I've read a couple years. Just people, rather than put someone in a casket and do the traditional filing by, uh, paying respects, which is, well, I mean, I can understand why you wouldn't like that. Uh, this is... Uh, they they hire these companies to come in and and prop you up doing something that you love to do so that people's last image of you can be seeing you do that. So let's go around the table. If you were propped up doing the something that you love doing, you wanted people to remember you by, what would it be, Chase? Shooting intruders <laughs> with my gun. <laughs> Guns, plural. All right, Nick. Uh, smoking weed? What would your... Someone <laughs> <laughs> would also guess smoking weed. I'm just kidding. We don't really have to go around the table and talk about that. <laughs> yeah, don't let him input anything after that. Now, what, what would yours be, Nick? I, Hanging out it's with too me? Cre- <laughs> if only I could, David. Um, it's that old song. It's too creepy. Prop me up by the ju- jukebox. It's, you would just say... Just want to hang out with David for another day? Yes. But here's the thing. I have to have my arm draped around you. Uh, You lose. Wow. The general? I don't know. I don't... I have a lot of interest. (laughs) Stirring the pot in the hall of dogma. I really don't know what I would do. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I don't try to stir the pot. Probably glaring at people who are too loud in church. With their amens. How about that? Ugh. Ugh. Looking at a... I, I normally don't glare at those people. I, I, I just... Kind of grind your teeth? Yeah. That would be yeah. Chase's pointing his finger at 
people sitting down. Stand up. It's worship time. How about this, Chase? <laughs> I will trade you the loud ameners at my church. For the sitters? For the sitters at your church. Oh, how many you got? Because we got a few sitters here. Uh, there's there's about five. Hey, listen to this podcast. There's about, four, there's about four or five. Okay. I clarified earlier. I like the sitters who are contemplative sitters. Hey, by the way, have you guys seen the video? Of, uh, do you guys even know who the group Foster the People is? Uh-uh. Nope. All right, so they're kind of an indie alternative group. They do a video called Houdini, and I don't know the lyrics, so this could be bad. But the video is really clever and really dark based on your story. At the very beginning of the video, the the stage lights crash down and kill all the guys in the band. And the rest of the video is the outplay of that, which really reminds me of your your story, David. It's kind of morbid and kind of fascinating and creative at the same time. It wasn't really my story. I mean, it was just a story that was out there, and I chose to tell it. I mean, it's really happening. That's just weird. I'm not not a fan. Okay, it is weird, but let me ask you this. Okay. At the end of the day, is it any weirder than being stuck in a box in the middle of a room and people standing around laughing and talking about – you football. or other things or football or yeah. whatever. Look, don't – I hope my I mean, family – I've told my family, if when I go, don't do not do that with me. Don't stand me – sit me dead in a coffin and have people stand around looking at me. Don't do not do that. Yeah. There's a friend of ours, friend of the show, actually a guy that used, has been on here before who wants a big barbecue buffet at his funeral. That's great. People just uh, – Tally? Yeah. Just let's not do an open – no, he, he, I think he yeah. still was going to do the casket thing. We'd just have, nah, make sure no. you have some barbecue and make it a celebration. I don't want to eat in front of dead people. <laughs> yeah, there's something wrong with that. I don't know what. He can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's yeah. that's how he put it. Now, David, what would, what would you do? Just somebody just be propped up with a microphone and have some audio <laughs> of you talking pumped out yes. for about six hours? Hey, that would be That would be great. That would be great. His final request to me would be like, I need a seven-hour track. Best like, of best he, of he would, sermons? He would preach his own funeral. Best of sermons? <laughs> that's what would do. Nobody else is going to know how to do that this right? Me. That got me. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> mm. that's ah, I don't know. What are, what are my enjoyments in life besides my family and kids? It's not uh, watching Auburn football this year. No. Wah, wah, wah. Shout out to um, hey, it's, not, it's not that enjoyable watching Alabama football either. Y'all are sloppy. Sloppy. Uh, oh, dude, I'm. Yeah. Uh, you're right. <laughs> we thought we thought for just a moment last night maybe Rocky Top was going to pull it out, but and Peyton was there. He could have. He could have. <laughs> I wouldn't wish it for that. Conducted the band. He could have conducted the band. I root for Alabama when they're playing Tennessee. I just. No, not me. I like Thank Tennessee. You. We appreciate it. Uh, you uh, would. Shout out like to uh, Brad Melton. Melton, his uh, hogs. Beat Auburn yesterday. And That's two years in a row, isn't it? They still no. stink. No, that was the first time Belamas beat us. Okay, yeah, Belama. It was a great. I like watching that guy. That was a great. I was really hoping for game. Was it really great, great or was it or was it just bad defense? Because like, that was it was it was four overtime. So it ended. It ended the game ended twenty four twenty four. And then, but it was, it was, I mean, look, four overtime games, that's, those are exciting games. Yeah, but it, it wasn't, wasn't exciting. It, I watched half of it. It wasn't exciting necessarily until you got to four overtimes. I didn't think the overtimes were. If exciting. you're an Auburn fan, look, you were, we, Arkansas scored the go ahead field goal with a minute left in the game. I mean, one minute to Auburn. So y'all had time for two touchdowns. What, what was wrong? <laughs> Auburn had to drive the field and get the, uh, the tying field goal with, Actually, no time left on the clock. So that was pretty exciting. To go horrible play calling on that last drive. 
Yeah. Well, look, the anyway. receivers for Auburn dropped a bunch of passes. But anyway, we won't dude, get into that. Dude, they did. Uh, Ricardo Lewis had a tough day. Yeah. Auburn's quarterback played really well. Well enough to win, but it didn't happen and couldn't happen to a nicer guy with Bulima. <laughs> Are you being serious? Hey, let's talk about uh, – You see how quick he's moving on? Let's talk about Halloween. Everybody loves Halloween, right? <laughs> It's that time of year. It's the Devil's Day. As we record oh. this, we are six days away from the Devil's Day. Now, also known as Nick Saban's birthday. Coincidence <laughs> <laughs> for the Auburn fans. October. Is he really? You're on Halloween? our side, Nick. Oh yeah. Oh, he absolutely is. October thirty first. Now this is Halloween, so I, I don't fairness, actually know. Sports Illustrated or ESPN Magazine one had an article entitled "Sympathy for the Devil" one year. So let's just. Do they do Halloween in um, like Britain? <laughs> No. Okay. I know they don't in Hong Kong. Actually, the the whole trick or treating thing is starting to catch up, catch on over there. But it's they primarily do just in the UK. It's primarily candy. Uh, well, they don't in the Asian countries. Like they, and I know they don't do it in they, Australia. I don't know what it is. Although somebody told me they 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 keep trying to get it to catch on in Australia. Yeah. I think what's caught on in Hong Kong is just people there's, giving out candy to kids. There's so many scary things in Australia. They don't need Halloween. All right. So I don't know if this is celebrated in every part of the world uh emmanuel who's been to the uk says no and chase who's never been to the uk uk says yes so um i'm telling you they do celebrate it okay in the UK. There, may, there may i mean uk may. is that's, that's a lot of countries there it's not oh yeah okay okay yeah. well you got ireland that's where the original jack-o-lantern was ireland jack lantern what else? Okay, so Halloween. <laughs> the Wales. Here, here, here's the, the <laughs> England is there. North Ireland. There is there there are Pentuck three. Very uh, to me. There's a few frustrating things, uh, or frustrating times pastorally. Uh, one Easter, Resurrection uh, Day. Yeah, uh, we used to back in the day. Back before Chase was at the Hall of Dogma Church, as a matter of fact, there were there would be squabbles because some of the little old ladies that ran the the little food area in the back would set out Easter bunnies as decorations, and there were people in the church who would get mad about that. Yeah, don't put your fertility guys on my in my sanctuary. Yeah. And so, and then there's Halloween, and there's the question of what you should do on Halloween. And so, I kind of narrowed it down earlier in the week, and I just want to go around the table again. Um, and, and I realize not everybody's going to fall neatly into one of these buckets, but I think there are three main categories of Christians when it comes to Halloween. There are the run and hide people. So these are the Christians that uh, as soon as the sun goes down on Halloween, go inside your house, you lock your door, you turn your lights off. Maybe you go to bed early or you play Bible verses for your kids to listen to. Um, number two, I was probably being a little exaggerating there but number two there's the redeem it so we're going to do halloween but we're going to redeem it somehow so this is your trunk retreats this is your judgment houses this is your giving out bible tracts at the door and then there's just the all in hey i'm all in love halloween it's just a day to get candy we're going to dress our kids up and go door to door so if you had to put yourself in one of those categories are you a run and hide are you a redeem it are you a are you all in i'll just go to my left nick I wouldn't classify it as the run and hide. I just opt out of it. Okay, so... I mean, I'm not scared of people, but if they... You would most closely relate to that bucket. Yeah, like, I guess the thing about the run and hide people is they they want to pretend it's not happening. Well, I I mean, it's obviously happening, but I do try to... People are going to be disappointed if they come to my door on Halloween, and so we will turn off the lights, 
to the outside to basically say, "Don't, it's not welcome time." But it's not like we're closing the blinds and like, are they gone yet? I mean, all right, primary one or two reasons why. With the focus on fear and and being scary or being scared, to me is is contradictory to the principles and. Okay. The Bible of fear not, things like that. There's also the supernatural focus. A lot of people correlate with it that um, I think far too many people are far too flippant about the supernatural. Um, I just I, – I don't think it's wise. Okay. All right. Emmanuel. <clears throat> I think I'm in the all-in camp. I, I realize that people associate – or first of all, I don't like holidays, period. Like I don't celebrate Christmas. I'm not big on – Unless Easter. Burger King has a McRib. Yeah. I, I, no, not what McRib. What was it? Thanksgiving. I don't do Thanksgiving. I Is it to, time for the McRib yet? It's not back yet, but it's coming, I think. Okay. But usually on Thanksgiving, I go to McDonald's and, get, and just eat there. I don't – so I don't care about holidays, but I do like New Year's and I do like Halloween. Now, I don't celebrate Halloween anymore. We do buy candy, but nobody ever comes to our house. But, um, but if I had a kid and they wanted to celebrate it, I'd be like, let's do it. Let's – Let's dress up. It doesn't matter to me what other people are doing on Halloween because people are doing witchcraft 365. It's not like like you're making a difference by saying we're not going to do anything because tonight people are, you know, doing seances and stuff. Like people doing always do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's seance time somewhere. Is it? You know, um, somebody's always doing some some witchcraft somewhere. So. I don't know what the Christian argument against it is. Like Nick said, you know, Christians shouldn't fear. We're not afraid. We're just putting on costumes and going to get candy. Like, nobody's afraid. Like, and if you like to be afraid, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. You know, I was talking to uh, your daughter, David, uh, before we recorded. We were talking about scary movies, and she's not allowed to watch scary movies. But she wants to, and I promised her I'd give her some. But, <laughs> was this Anna? Check me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, she's never asked me to watch a scary movie. She, she said you wouldn't let her. She's asking probably Uncle Emmanuel, wouldn't, apparently. Depending on which kind, which one it is. But, I'm not a big scary movie fan, though. That's see, the I thing. am a big fan. Like I, cause it I was, depends. Because I was telling her I've been watching scary movies all this, this month. I've been watching a bunch of the old classics. Are you talking about, like, blood and gore scary movies? Like, hack them? You know? No, I don't like slasher movies, per se. Um, Are you talking about, like, more drama, like... Um, um, <laughs> Not dramas, but what do you call it? Uh, I like you know possession, haunted house, that kind of stuff. I I really don't like slasher films, like you know, just somebody with a knife hacking people up. So you going to see the Loki Crimson Peak movie? No. Okay. I will watch. Crimson Peak is kind of advertised weird. I've heard reviews of it. It, Okay. It kind of markets itself as a horror movie, but it's really not a horror. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. It's more of it's kind of a psychological thriller, but it's not a horror. Uh, It's not as as much of a horror movie as it. Tries to, yeah. I, I don't to, think I, I. We probably wouldn't watch a, a lot of that in our house, but um, the, it, it depends on. See, what I it, can't wait to watch that with my kids. Like, it I depends can't on what it is. Show. It depends on on what it is. Now, he, here's the thing. I, I don't, and we're, we're going to get into just a second Ghost in the Bible. But I, I do have a like, if it's heavy, like movie, uh, if it's heavy, you know, paranormal demonic kind of thing i i have a i, I get 
Like, I don't know that I want to watch this. This see, is a check that I have. Now, see, here's the thing. I do, I do have that check as well on certain things, and I just can't watch them. It happens on <laughs> certain things. Um, I've watched certain movies. One of them was, I remember, The, the Skeleton Key, which is a great movie. But I probably shouldn't have watched it because it 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 stayed with me longer than the movie should. Yeah. And my wife got sick after watching. It was bad. It was like, okay, that movie. Some movies have a little something extra in them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And sometimes I get a check, and I'm like, okay, I get a check. I'm not watching that. And so that has happened. Um, I've actually had movies that I bought and then couldn't watch them. Yeah. Holy hmm. Spirit's like, nope. Every time I tried to watch it, nope. And I just had to throw it away eventually. Um. But. Like, I believe in God. I'm not worried about demons. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And that's not to say that you can't open yourself up for stuff. I I do believe that. But the Holy Spirit will usually tell me what I can and can't watch. Cannot watch. If you believe in that sort of thing, Holy Spirit. We'll get to the (laughs) nice chase. I'm no cessationist. Chase, no. No, you're not. Are you a uh, run and hide, (laughs) redeem it, or all in guy? I understand, you know, with nuance. Yeah, there's definitely some nuance there. Uh, We don't celebrate Halloween as such. The kids have asked to go trick-or-treating. I'm not really a fan of that. Uh, There was a time when we kind of first made this decision. The kids were really young. And uh, we were like, well, we're not not really going to do that. We've tried to always be chill about it. But... um, I remember one time, and this How's that worked us, for you. Yeah, it's, it's not so great. This got us in big trouble with some family members when our kids went and found out they were celebrating Halloween, and they were like, "Why are you celebrating Halloween? It's the devil's holiday or the devil's birthday." Or <laughs> what? Your and, kids said this? Yeah, apparently something like that. And their parents came with us, and they were like, "What the heck, man? Why are you?" T- Knocking on us for celebrating Halloween, and we hadn't told them that. I mean, we we really was this hadn't. before and after you sent your kids to tell them there's no Santa. Well, it was you know sort of around Spoiler the same alert. time, but uh, we we don't tell our kids to go interact with other kids on these issues. In fact, we tell them not to. Just that's their their family stuff. We're just not gonna. We celebrate Christmas, have a blast. We we talk. We you know we eat candy at Halloween. We go to my kids are right now at a fall festival at a church. They, yeah, mm. well they, mm. they could dunk it for apples and doing all that kind of stuff. Hey, hey, so and we, having a blast. We, we that's just fine. We we've set all our children down and told them the truth about uh, the the tooth fairy and Santa because they interact with the Thompson kids. So it's just like you know what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, we we might as well it. it if somebody has to hear it, it needs to yeah, hear it. I mean, we they're going to hear it anyway. So it's not so the fact that you're, you don't have any compunction about lying to them for years of their life. <laughs> well, see, I don't, I don't, I don't lie to them. If they ask me, I would tell them the truth. But actually, we have told all the kids. <laughs> but okay, um, well, hold, let's. Real, but, real quick. but I used to do children's There's church. Commission and omission. So I used to do children's church, and uh, and there was one year that we were doing my son the christmas truther that was some one other kid some somebody they said something about santa they were like well you know santa claus will bring you blah blah and then like i i saw chase's son's his hand like went right up and i tried to ignore it i was like well look we're gonna move on and i started trying he was like "Mm, mr david mr david and i was like no john johnny wouldn't that Keep put your hand down, because I knew what was coming. Yep. So anyway, the verbal onslaught of truth. We even yeah. coached him on that, but you know, hey, See, I think when the they're rede- really young, <laughs> I think the redeem it bothers me more than anything. Like I'd rather you just hide from it. And, and the, I don't like the redeem it stuff because it's like, okay, we're gonna do the exact same thing the world does, and we're just gonna slip in a little Jesus. That to me is like worse. 
we had this. We're not going to use the word Halloween because like there's nothing evil about the word Halloween. It just means you know Hallows Eve. It's just, All Hallows Eve. Yeah. It's okay. nothing. But we're going to say Fall Festival because you know that's. Yeah, Which I'm pretty the, sure the Bible was, you know, they had, I think they had fall, fe- they had festivals around there too. And By the way, the picture I posted in the Hall of Dogma says, Happy Halloween or Harvest Hallelujah. I, I was trying to be funny. That Whoa. wasn't really. All right, so here's the thing about Nick's comment. And we do, we have, like in our house, our kids know. About the, your lying to your children? Yeah, our kids know the truth about Santa and the tr- truth about the tooth fairy. When did that come up? Oh, that's that's been the case for years, several years. <laughs> However, we play the game. So like all of our kids know, you know, that the the truth that daddy is the tooth fairy or daddy's Santa, mommy and daddy are Santa. But we play the game. We have fun. I have fun. no problem with your kids I, looking at you like a fairy. I, thank you. I, I don't have – this is the issue I think. It's like, it's like there's a place in oh, Christian no Christendom problem. where not only, you know – Okay, we can't we can't do Santa. Um, we, you know, we 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 have to tell our kids the truth, which I'm, I'm all for, and that's the way that we've approached it with our kids. However, it's you know like you can't even have fun with it. You can't even you can't do imaginative things. And Halloween to me is something similar to that. Like yeah. it's it's you you know we're probably a nuanced um, all in. Because I would allow my kids to go uh, trick or treating. However, we there were restrictions about what you could dress up as, and we typically just go to a family member's house uh, in little costumes and have a big dinner, and they have candy for them, and that's usually our celebration. So it's a very nuanced participation that we have. Um, but like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that i've never been convicted that there's anything wrong with letting the kids dress up on that night and go and and get get some candy now that doesn't mean that i think everybody needs to do that and that doesn't mean that i think that that you're wrong if you choose not to participate i I would primarily just leave that up to the role of the holy spirit and i take the same approach there with the tooth fairy or santa hey we can play the game we can have fun they can know the truth but we can still we can still have a good time with it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the most compelling, I will say, the most compelling reasons I've heard to not participate in Halloween have actually come from brothers and sisters in Christ who I know of who over the years have been delivered from a past that involved Wiccan or yeah. some type of witchcraft. And their reasons for not being involved in that and running from it, uh, n- number one, obviously, that's their conviction because – of their past, and I think they should follow it. But number two, just listening to their reasons is compelling. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's compelling along the lines of, um, you know, not even having the appearance of evil, and we're just going to remove ourselves from from. Uh, but it's not necessarily appearance of evil. That's why I think a lot of those arguments are stretching things. Like if your kid goes, you know dressed up as something i don't know that that's putting on a mask i don't know if that's necessarily evil Mm. or even the appearance of evil now if they're going as a demon maybe you can make that case although we don't know what demons look like so i think that's kind of but like 
Well, it's a bit just, of, just to like, me, just, it's like... Just shut up and let people put on the mask. Most like, people would probably let their kids dress up imagine, in imaginative ways any other time. So it's like, well, you can't do it on Halloween. Yeah. And that, just, that's a bit, you know... The redeem it, I, I don't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with... You know, it's, it's, churches who do judgment houses me. or fall festivals. I mean, that's fine, but it's look. Here's the: there is no difference in allowing your kids to dress up and go to a field with a bunch of cars parked in it and get candy out of someone's trunk and letting them go into a neighborhood and trick or treat. It, it's not more Christian because Jesus attends one of those. It's it's not more Christian to do it in the. <laughs> In the baseball field next to a church. There's a joke there about which one I think you think it is, for the record. You know, that's not more Christian than letting your kids go in a neighborhood, in my opinion. Just because a church is sponsoring it and putting it on. So, you know, now I've taken my kids to fall festivals before just because to me it gave them a it gave us a good place to take them and let them get, yeah, get the something candy. to do. But but I you know, just saying, Oh, we would never trick or treat, but we'll go to a fall festival. I eh, my opinion it's it's Pretty much the same thing. Now, churches who want to do judgment houses and do fall festivals to try to reach the community during that time, I don't have any issue with that. I mean, that that's yeah. I don't. First, I, I mean, like I wouldn't tell you to not do that. I just don't like Christians doing knockoff stuff. You know? Yeah, we can be creative. Yeah, I agree with that. Christians are we, very we just never creative. Are. Yeah. Christians are always doing knockoffs, and then knockoffs are never as good as their original stuff. No. You know, so it's it's that's you know that's what it annoys me. I'm not against it if that's what y'all want to do. You're fine, but you know, Chase, what's your primary reason for primary reason or two for trying to avoid the holiday? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and I, I would say, uh, I, I I would say I think it has to do with with the spirits leading us. We don't have a a piece about. Full on participating. Now, look, I'll be honest with you. Kids, kids come to the house, ring the doorbell. Uh, we'll have candy. We'll give candy to them. We're not going to look askance at them like, hey, you, go, you little demons. Heathens. Yeah, we, we, we won't do that. We'll give candy. Our kids will get candy, and, and that's fine. We just we don't want to full on participate, and we certainly don't vilify people who do. We just don't feel like that's the way God's leading our family. All right, so um – do you think there's any evidence of ghost? Okay, so th- this is this is so a, this is kind of where we were going to go with this after the yeah. the Halloween discussion. It's it's um, October. It's probably appropriate to talk about ghosts. Um, this is a, a fascinating topic for me. Um, I uh, by the way, notice that the. We don't really feel led to participate in Halloween guy is also the guy that's yeah. the most enthralled with ghosts. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, Chase I, and I are both big fans of the paranormal and cryptozoology. That's true. Uh, Chase, no uh, Emmanuel that. is also a big uh, paranormal guy. So I, I've been interested in the paranormal for, for years and years. I, I think most of it is a bunch of hooey. The parts that are, you know, that really there is something to probably is demonic or, or something explainable. Um, but nevertheless, I find it a fascinating topic. There is definitely the appearance of a ghost in the Bible. Uh, the way we define a ghost, that is a sentient being that has come back from the dead. 
when you have uh, Samuel called up by the witch of Endor. Um, you know, as some Bible scholars say, that's not really Samuel, but I don't know how in the world you can read that passage and say that's not really Samuel, that's, that's Samuel. Um, and, and I think it's very compelling to me that when Jesus appears to the disciples in Luke chapter 24, um, it says they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Well, he never tells them, hey, guys, come on. There's, there's no such thing in go- as ghosts. And the early church, early Christians used to not dismiss spiritual things nearly as quickly as we do in the scientific age. I think uh, I count myself among the Reformed. I think the Reformed crowd is maybe most guilty of this, uh, of, of, of missing out on real spiritual things. Jesus dealt with the demonic a lot. How often does that happen in the church today? Have all the demons been bottled up? Well, let me read you a little something. I don't, but let me say this just, just straight up. I don't think that ghosts are real in the sense that people die and they come back from the dead as spirits. So they're not, they're not spirits of departed individuals. I, I don't think I don't they're think so. real. I, I, if, if it turns out that there really are, that really does happen, I don't think necessarily the Bible absolutely forbids it. I would scratch my head and say, huh, how about that? But this, this by the way, is a, is a question that the, the church has, has kind of discussed for years. Uh, Augustine, um, one of the earliest theologians, kind of came out, and he said, I don't think people come back from the dead. But he had a very long kind of discussion about it. And, and he, you know, he kind of asked the question, well, what about situations where spirits kind of supposedly come back and lead people to the location of their corpse, spirits who have been murdered. And he said, as far as stuff like that, I don't have an answer for it. So Augustine it kind of says that. Um, Thomas Aquinas, uh, the the original doctor, with, with apologies to Doctor Who fans, uh, the doctor of the church and a Catholic, he essentially said, um, he, he, I'm trying to look for his quote, he like beyond a shadow of a doubt, Aquinas believed in in ghosts. He said, therefore, it is absurd to say that the souls of the departed do not leave their abode. Uh, And this was in his Summa Theological work. So he he said it happens. Let me read this one thing and I'll shut up. Um, There is a early document of the church called the Martyrdom of Perpetua and Felicity, which happened uh, somewhere. They died around uh, the early 200s, maybe 203 A.D. Uh, and in that document, it purports to be a diary of, of one of these ladies before she's martyred. Um, and she writes, and this is, this is a little bit chilling, um, she writes about something in her diary. Um, and this is a, they were Christians. This is an early kind of early, this is usually lumped in with the early church fathers' um, literature. She writes about a vision she had uh, of, or an encounter, maybe a vision, maybe an encounter, with uh, her dead brother. This is Perpetua, her dead little brother, who died very young. His name was Dinocratus, uh, or Dinoc, I can't even say it. 
I don't even know how to pronounce it. Dinocratus. I'll yeah, say that. Yeah, the issue I do. Well, that's, that's a hard hey, word to pronounce. Hey, let me give you just, a, just a, a tip. If you don't know how to pronounce a name. Dinocratus. That's it. That's how to say it. Dinocratus. Emmanuel's right. Okay, if you don't know how to pronounce a name, just make something up. Okay. And say it with confidence. Pro tip. I've yeah. heard this before. And I, <laughs> I've, I've heard the name before, and it is Dinocratus. All right. Good job, Emmanuel. Okay. This is what she said. She said, I beheld Dinocratus coming, from a, coming forth from a dark place where many others were also, being both hot and thirsty, his clothing foul, his color pale. Again, this is from like the 200s A.D. And the wound on his face, which he had when he died. This Dinocritus had been my brother in the flesh, seven years old, who being diseased with ulcers of the face had come to a horrible death, so that his death was abominated of all men. For him, therefore, I had made my prayer, and between him and me was a great gulf, so that either might not go to the other. That sounds familiar. There was, moreover, in the same place where Denocritus was, a font full of water, having its edge higher than was the boy's stature. And Denocritus stretched up as though high enough to drink, but he couldn't reach it. I was sorry that the font had water in it, and yet for the height of the edge he might not drink." Font. Font. All right, yeah, so a few nights later, she had another vision. Times in Roman. I saw that place which I had before seen, and Denocritus came forth clean of body, finely clothed in comfort, and the font I had seen before, the edge of it being down to the boy's navel. And he drew water thence, which flowed without ceasing. And on the edge was a golden cup full of water, and Denocritus came and began to drink therefrom which cup failed not. And being satisfied, he departed away from the water and began to play as children will play joyfully. And I woke. Then I understood that he was translated from his pains. I'm picturing you reading this at a children's time at a fall festival at you the church. You just about could. <laughs> it's time for the story of Denocritus, children. It's scary time, boys and girls. <laughs> All right, so Nick, believe in ghosts, yes or no? Uh, despite Chase's compelling evidence, not in the way that he describes. Well, that wasn't exactly evidence. All right. Uh, There's a little bit of sarcasm. <laughs> uh, Emmanuel. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. So if there are ghosts, what are they? I leave room that ghosts may actually be people somehow. Okay. <clears throat> um,. But I, I think ghosts are um, evil spirits okay. who are masquerading um, as, as people. Uh, some people call them familiar spirits. Familiar spirits. Ah. Okay, Travel, that, when you travel in Pentecostal circles. That I don't disagree with it at all. I'm saying ghosts being the, you believe in Casper. dead people. Dead people who have come. Ghosts. Okay, so, if there, so you would explain, Nick, uh, it's either it's either a vision, paranoia, fear, delusion, spiritual, whatever, or it's it's a demon. Okay. It's well, one of the things Augustine said that it was it was a spiritual vision. Yeah. What do you, what say you, Chase? What are ghosts? I, I tend to agree with what my brother Emmanuel said that we're dealing with some sort of spirits. I'll read you one more quote. This is from Origen, another early church father. Uh, he died about 250 A.D. Had some interesting views, but he's definitely considered one of the fathers of the church. Also pronounced organ. 
some <laughs> by some, I suppose. Um, he is talking about what what kind of things these things are, and he says, in my opinion, however, it is certain wicked demons, and so to speak, of the race of titans or giants, who have been guilty of impiety towards the true God and towards the angels in heaven, and who have fallen from it, and who haunt the denser parts of bodies and frequent unclean places upon the earth, and who, possessing some power of distinguishing future events because they are without bodies of earthly material, engage in employment of this kind, and desiring to lead the human race away from the true God, secretly enter the bodies of the more rapacious and savage and wicked of animals. Okay, so... I think we're dealing with evil spirits and... Things that are demons, no, 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 and things that are spiritual and evil, but not necessarily precisely what we define as demons. I think you see hints in Paul, Pauline writing that there is a much more varied spirit world than humans, angels, and demons. I think there's much more about that than we've just completely oh, wow. don't understand. Okay, she and Emmanuel are kind of on the same page there. But not the spirits of dead people. Yeah, okay. So I think we all agree on that. I tend to be more with Nick in that I I tend to explain. I believe there's a spiritual world, spiritual Mm -hmm. realm. Absolutely. And I believe the Bible mentions um, out of this world beings like angels and demons. Mm -hmm. And I think, to me, um, ghosts are going to fall in that demonic range. I, I tend to blame, you know, UFOs, alien sightings, those kinds of things. If if there are things people are seeing, I tend to put them in that same category. I do too. Um, I will say I think it's interesting that you know demons possessed people in the uh, Bible. That I think demons still possess people today, and we just don't call it that because that seems really odd to us. But you know, Chase, do you think? I mean, I don't know of a. Uh, or ask Emmanuel this too. I don't know of a biblical passage of demons possessing a place, but is it possible? You know, so could a haunted property or a haunted, you but know, fallen angels have domains? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that would be my question: is like, hey, could a quote unquote haunted house that be true, and it simply be a place or a? a you know, property, a building, something that there's a residence there of the demonic. Um, in other words, so. I wouldn't write that off as there's no such thing as a you know haunted. They can hang out wherever they want. No, it's just the the qua- calling it haunted <clears throat> as opposed to possessed. I, I, I think I, there are certain possessed things. would be would give me. I would have less problem with the verb is possessed than I would haunted. Well, it, I think it would be more closer to correct. Haunted is not exactly unbiblical in its concept, in a sense, because you have passages like uh, Isaiah seventy four uh, that talks about. Uh, Let's see. Do not hand over the life of your dove to wild beasts, and do not forget the lives of your afflicted people. Have regard for your covenant, because haunts of violence fill fill the dark places of the land. What's that? What's that about? What sort of dark places of the land? Ooh. All right. So uh, in the Hall of Dogma, uh, Chase posted um, he posted a picture that said "Happy Halloween" or "Harvest Hallelujah," but he mentioned your scariest stories. Um, Nathan Martin said 
we had a curse on our house in North Vancouver. Went around anointing house in oil. Discovered a ritual chamber in the furnace room of the house. Curse was broken. That's interesting. Wow. That's scary. Yeah, that, that is scary. scary. Hey, Bukowski story. You got to read that one. All right, uh, Jason Bukowski. Scariest thing when I used to ghost hunt. Hey, this is one of your guys right here. You and Emmanuel hook up with Jason. Uh, we were investigating a house where the child kept getting woke up by a shadow. I was sitting in the living room when I see a figure walk up the stairs. I went out to the rest of the group and described what I had seen. Our researcher showed me a picture of the original homeowner, and it matches what I had seen exactly. Uh, so uh, I, for the um, – I personally would not go on a ghost hunt. Um so we're talking about the Halloween thing. Yeah, I probably would go on a hunt. Here's the thing. So I would put, based on all of this, uh, what I would say, hey, look, I don't have a problem with trick-or-treating, <laughs> but I would not go seek out ghosts. I would not try to go on a on a ghost hunt. Um, I mean, if you're in a situation like Nathan is, where the yes. situation got brought to you, okay, that's got to be dealt with. But if just to go look for it, go find it yourself, eh, now I probably would go on a ghost walk. <laughs> in, 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 I, I totally would not. You would not go on a ghost walk? Oh, wait. We have a ghost wait, walk. Yeah, we, well, Chase yeah. and I did we, it. We, so we I'm, I, I'm realizing as I'm talking that I'm being a, a bit uh, uh, not, it was not, not integrous. It was a historical. 20% ghost, 80%. Yeah, so I, I guess I've got to take that back. I, I caught myself in kind of a little bit of a hypocritical moment there. Um, I, I don't. Recorded for all. Yeah, time. recorded for all. Oh, I, I don't know that. That ghost walk downtown that was covered. It was it was essentially a historical tour downtown where he told of certain buildings and what people reported in those happening in those buildings. But when you say ghost hunt, I think of what Jason's talking about: going into a house, going into a building where there are supposed to be ghosts, and seeing if you can conjure them up. Uh, I, I'm just not sure if I would do that. Yeah. Along the lines of, I wouldn't go to a psychic. I think those are if your if your Pawpaw's talking to you through a psychic, it's just a demon pretending to be Pawpaw. So, you know, I I would steer steer clear of those things. Well, do you, do you uh, remember that. speaking of, of of ghosts in that ghost walk? Do you remember that picture I showed you? Yes, yeah. So we actually there was a place where you know the guy pointed out this kind of graveyard area where people had reported seeing things, and we were snapping some pictures and. Yep. Had a pretty interesting um, image on the picture yeah, I that we a, saw later on. I took a picture. I saw it. I looked at it. I thought, my goodness, that looks like a face. Um, and, and it does look like a face hovering in the the graveyard where children are buried. It looks like a children's face, child's face. Um, the interesting thing to me is I'm kind of the the spooky guy. I'm kind of the in our in my wife and I's relationship. I'm definitely the Mulder, and she's the Scully. She's um, skeptical of those sorts of things, but she got really spooked when I showed her that sp- that picture. Maybe and it was in the it was in. I took a picture mind. too, and it was in the it was in the one that I had taken as well. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, was it not? It, I believe that is correct. Yeah, I think you okay. texted it. We texted it to each other. All right, so. Um, Let's uh, we 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 need to uh, move out of the story. But does anyone have a a really like scary thing that you would share? Scary something scary that happened to you? 
along the lines. I don't know if it was scary, but uh, after my grandmother died, a cousin of mine moved into her house, and my grandmother used to play the piano and stuff. And when you go to visit him, you could be walking up the steps and hear the piano playing, and then when you got up to the top of the steps, it stopped. Or you'd be in the house and hear her singing. Oh, wow. And you know she's not there. Um, that you was hear pretty, her singing? Yeah. It was yeah. pretty creepy. This probably the only ghost story that I had. So that is creepy if... Was well, she a believer? Yeah. So that is creepy because basically what we were saying is that would be a some type of a demonic spirit. Yeah. Impersonating grandma, or yeah. it could be something else, something that we don't quite understand. Probably, almost certainly, not a person that's died and is coming back. You're going to bust out your TARDIS right now, aren't well, you? Well, it's going to be it some could time be echo. Something. Are you saying like God allowing people to hear grandma singing? I I don't know. I, oh, I struggle with like it a, a little uh, bit. like a temporal echo. Yeah. Okay, a temporal echo. Spiritual residue. A magnetic emotional echo. You know, something we just don't fully quite understand. I'm not saying I'm it is. I'm just saying it, it, it doesn't – we don't but fully that, understand almost, all of the metaphysical universe. Is your cousin a believer? Yeah. Does everybody hear it or just certain people? I don't know. I've, I heard, I've heard it, and he definitely heard it because he but see, what, there. Oh, so you heard it too. Yeah, see, I heard it. But see, do you all get creeped out by it or are you comforted by it? Uh, creeped out. I don't. I'm not comforted by anything that's not supposed to be there. Well, so I guess because <laughs> you're saying I know where you're going with that. Even any time, even if somebody's comforted by something, that still could be a demon. Okay, uh, and mm-hmm. I'm that's, I'm more trying to walk out the. True. I'm more along the lines with you. I'm trying to walk out a possible scenario where Chase is, yeah, something related to what Chase is talking about. True, but. Because I've heard people say, you know, my mom comes to visit me and it comforts me. You know, uh-uh. no, that, ain't, no, no, that no. ain't your mama. Not your mom. Anybody got anything else? You got one, Chase? Not like that. I enjoy this conversation a lot. So we're just maybe a little the, too much. No, this is good. I, my thing is, I, I can tell some stories. I'll, I'll just say a generality. From the entirety of my life, I have seen and heard things occasionally, not often. But off to the side, indirect glances, things like that. Maybe this is everybody. Maybe it's a brain anomaly or, or a psychological thing or a flash of light. Uh, there, was, there was one time when, when I would see a regular flash of light in our room at certain times of night, at night and it turned out there was a hole in the blinds. Uh, and it was when cars would drive by and their headlights would come in. So, so, so a lot of these things are, are maybe totally explainable. But I've definitely seen some things that – and I heard some things. It's very difficult to explain. Um, and I just think, again, if you want to have a biblical theology of the spirit world, then you have to wrestle with some of the things Paul talks about, principalities and powers and things like that, and uh, the, the Jesus proclaiming things to the spirits in prison and, and all of that. The fact of the matter is, despite what some of my Reformed brethren and any dispensational brethren and any other people, there are things in the Bible that defy easy explanation. If we pretend that we know exactly what's being said there, I think we uh, think too highly of ourselves. All right. Um, I will say, so I don't have a personal one uh, necessarily, but I think John Talley tells one of the better um, ghost stories that I've heard. Him and his wife, Ann, were looking for a house, 
they pulled up in front of a house over in a little community about um, 15, 20 minutes from all of Dogma Church. Pulled up in the driveway, and um, Ann refused to get out of the car. She said, I'm not getting out. And she said, you can go in if you want to, but I'm not going in that house. And John said, why? And she said, there, there's something in that house. There, there's something to this house. It is, I mean. <laughs> Good thing she wasn't a, sens- a cessationist. Cause it, <laughs> <laughs> demonic something. She, she wouldn't have had to use, she wouldn't have that gift of discernment. Uh, something not right about this house. Like a year later, something like that, a year, year and a half, they just pulled out. John said, well, hey, if you feel that strongly, we're not going to. So they pulled out of the driveway and left. Year, year and a half later. They were watching, uh, I, I don't know the name of the TV show, but it was one of those paranormal hunter yeah. uh, shows that come on cable, and that house was on the show. Yes. Uh, they sent a, in that, that very house uh, was on the show and explained some, some story about some people that had died in the house or something like that, and the owners that had bought it had moved in and had been having all types of issues and problems in the house ever since they moved in, which was the people that bought it when it was for sale when John and Ann wow. were looking at it. So, yeah, gift, Nathan. Of, gift of discernment there. All right. Uh, we are rapidly coming to an end of episode 74. But before we get out of here. <laughs> which in preacher talk means 30 more minutes. 30 more minutes. <laughs> all right. So Emmanuel uh, is our resident uh, movie reviewer and critic <laughs> in the Hall of Dogma and particularly a, a really good fan of – all things Christian in the movie world. Uh, so Emmanuel went and saw the movie Woodlawn uh, that has just come out. And uh, so we thought while he was here, he could give us a uh, review of the – I don't even know who made the movie. It's the Irwin Brothers. Okay. Because you can't be a film Christian filmmaker without having a brother do it with you. Now, these there are not the go. same guys that are making all the, the, the Sherwood. That's it's the not Kendrick the Sherwood. Brothers. Okay, all right. And they don't make good stuff. All right, so tell us all that's about... the like Wachowski uh, Brothers? They're not brothers anymore. Oh, that's right. Go ahead. All right, so what's your review of the uh, Woodlawn movie there, Emmanuel? So, okay, I went in it being uh, skeptical. I didn't even really want to go, but uh, that's what happens to marry me, and my wife signed me up because uh, our church was going. And so I was like, all right, it's, it's free. I'll go check it out. And I was I was pleasantly surprised. It is probably the best Christian movie I've seen. Um, really? Yeah. How many Christian movies have you seen? I've seen a lot. Well, that's right, because you were on your Netflix kick where you were watching all those I've Netflix seen, I've movies. I've seen a lot. I have not seen God's Not Dead, much to your daughter Anna's uh, chagrin. <sighs> her, her favorite she movie. asked me today, have you seen God's Not Dead yet? And I was like, no, but we're going to watch it. You have to watch it for her. But... uh because I was telling her they, they showed the trailer for God's Not Dead 2 during that movie, and it looks horrible. <laughs> God's still not dead. You know. But um, it's just God's Not Dead 2. But um, so it was really good. So I'll tell you what the good is. The acting was decent to to really good. John Voight was really good. Uh, Caleb Castile, who was a you know young actor, was really good. Um, the guy who played the coach, I can think of his name. He's a British guy. He was really good. Coincidentally, the professional actors were worse. Not so Sean good. Aston. Sean Aston. But here's the thing. Now I, I, <laughs> he needs to go back to playing a Hobbit. Like that man just he no, was made for that role. I will not. I won't blame yeah. him completely because I think a lot of it was the script. Uh, because since he was the overtly Christian guy, yeah. for some reason Christian oh, he couldn't be Christian writers or, or cannot write Christian characters. No, I don't can. know why. 
And so his script was just bad. And the other guy, uh, uh, Howell, who played the, the kind of co- the coach of the opposing team, the rival team, he was just played so over the top and cartoony. It was the professional actors were bad. The kind of uh, amateur actors just they were a lot better. But but I blame a lot of that on script. Yeah. What about Voight? Voight was excellent as Bear Bryant. I mean, like now, people Bear look, Bryant's in this. I ain't going. <laughs> look, Voight would they actually get, make you like Bear Bryant. Oh, that's a good acting job. It, it was, look, it was it's Oscar worthy if you because you mm. know. But he was superb. I thought he really was good. And so the acting was, like I said, decent to – but it wasn't like bad – like it wasn't like bad war room acting. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like real acting. Real acting, okay. But the script was bad Don't in feed places. feed the trolls, I But Caleb Castile. So I'm pretty interested in this uh, Alabama fan, the Castile family, uh, big to us. My dad and uh, uh, Jeremiah have – I think they have had a business relationship for quite some time. Caleb is the youngest Castile brother? Or he's yeah. the youngest one I know. Yeah, and so – it's like his dad's an elder at our church, yeah. and so that's why we were supporting the film. And hmm. I remember when he first said that he wanted to go into acting. I was, and he, when, I remember when he got this role. We were like congratulating him at church, and I was like, "Oh God, this movie is going to ruin his boy's career." <laughs> because if you're an actor, being in a Christian movie is not helpful in most. Not movies. necessarily, right? You know, it's going to make you look bad. But he was really good. I mean, Fantastic. like I said, he's the main character. He's one of the main characters, and he was like. He, you could tell that he he was he's good at it. He was good. Um, so that that was the it was emotionally effective. The the you know the scenes that were supposed to be emotional, you were emotionally invested in them. That was good. Music was kind of kind of spot on. Like it was kind of like telegraphing what they wanted you to feel. It was a yeah. little, but 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 it was good. Because um, I've seen some Christian movies and the music just didn't seem to fit the scene at all. It's just like. Like they just bought some canned music and just put it on there. But this movie, the music went with the movie and stuff like that. But the worst part of the movie, the worst parts of the movie were the overtly Christian parts. Wow. <laughs> when somebody was making some kind of speech or comment about the gospel or I'm Jesus surprised or, you're saying that, man. I'm surprised. No, it, because it, it seems like – so you're having a regular movie – you're watching a regular movie, and then all of a sudden, it tr- it turns into a bad church play <laughs> in the middle of the movie. It's it's like the character looks off into the distance and becomes like you know your town church's production of something. And it was just, it I don't know why, but it's like the whole tone changed. It was just bad. So essentially, you're saying Christians are good at everything except sharing the gospel. Eee. On film, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Because they were, they were the the parts were written badly, and they were acted badly. Because it's like the actor just snapped out of being normal and regular, you know, like just being, you know, you know, people say act normal, yeah, and then it's hard to act normal. It seems like that's what the director said. He's like act normal, <laughs> act normal, and, and nobody the, the froze up and were acting like. I mean, those were the worst parts of the movie, because um, it just seemed like they were just giving kind of stage soliloquies. But other than that. It was the best Christian movie I've ever seen, and it's not doing well at the box office. Oh, is it not? No. Wow. Like I was reading an article, and like by this time, by the same time, uh, 
by the same amount of time, War Room had already made like fifteen million, and this has only made five. Oh. And it's like, and God's had made, not dead, it made like twelve, and this has only made five. And this is better than both of those movies. And I hadn't seen either one, but I just know they're they're crappy. <laughs> Wow. And the reason I know they're crappy is because Christians have been publicizing them so much. Hey. And this is a great movie. Nobody's talking about it. And it's like, like if you're a Christian and you want to help Christian film, go see this movie. Well, and I, don't I'm go convinced. see God's Not Dead 2. Matter of fact, go see this movie twice with the money you would have spent to go see that God's <laughs> Not Dead 2 when it comes out. Because it's, it's, it's look like it's going to be craptacular. Craptacular. <laughs> so... I give it. Awesome. I give it four spoons Ooh. on the Christian movie scale, not okay. on the whole movie scale. On, a, on if, if we're looking at regular movies, I'd probably say it's a three star, three right. spoons. Three spoons. But on the Christian movie <laughs> scale, it's it's it's, it's 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 probably as good as you're gonna get. Nice. Awesome Christian. Movie. Good deal, um, David. I, I do have to as we close out. I have to ask one question. Yep. I'm disappointed. Okay. Why? Why are we not watching Hell in a Cell? <laughs> well, because. The last time we attempted to watch a wrestling pay-per-view at the same time that we recorded a podcast, it didn't go very well. So we, we said we weren't going to do that anymore. So why don't we reschedule the podcast, David? I don't know. I was hoping we'd get done in time that I could watch. It's Undertaker and Lesnar. I, I, listen, I want, I want to be done in time. These are the things you have to explain to me. I want to be done in time to see Taker and Lesnar. All right. Well, let's speed it up. Let's, so let's close it up. So, Great so show, guys. Uh, what do you say at the end, David? I thought you were a little low energy tonight, Chase. To be honest with you. Are you okay? You upset about anything? Just thinking, where did I leave my gun? <laughs> <laughs> Last week, we were right here and right here. Oh, that's right. That's where it is. You probably left it in uh, Nancy Pelosi's office. Anyway, Chase. <laughs> what just happened? Oh, my goodness. <sighs> All right. Well, we are going to cut this off now before it gets Before the worse. Secret Service comes and carries yeah. me away. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Gospel Friends. I know we hit a wide range of topics, um, but we would love to hear back from you on any and all of them. Um, some of the discussion already happened in the Hall of Dogma. That is hallofdogma.com. It's a Facebook group. Um, we are not too difficult about entry. As long as you don't blatantly appear to be a spam account, uh, we will add you. As long as you don't cause trouble, we'll let you stay. Um, and trouble basically means being a tool. Don't be a tool. You can stay. Um, we have a Twitter account, at my gospel friends, or you can email us, the gospel friends. <laughs> Sorry. What? I know you just mentioned that we have a Twitter account. We do have a Twitter account. I tweeted today. Hooray. <laughs> we do have a Twitter account. You're right. Can y'all work that out? Does Chase there? do anything with it? No. Nope. I tweeted today. I tweeted today, too. I'm the regular. Gospelfriends at gmail.com. <laughs> you can leave us a voicemail, 205-575-9735. Or you can leave us a speak pipe. Or you <laughs> Doctors say it's healthiest to tweet after every meal. <laughs> but who does that? <laughs> if long distance is an issue, speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. You can also leave us a voicemail. If you haven't tweeted in days, we have some crapola cereal. That could help. Good. I'd like to thank Sean Lombard and Jeff at Funky Stickman for the opening and closing themes of this show. Boy, are they happy they attached their name to this. <laughs> oh, yeah, buddy. You can find our show notes at thegospelfriends.com. Oh, God, I am so scared of what's about to happen now after that last little diatribe. Tune in next week when you may hear David say. Hey, so I think for Halloween I'm going to dress up as a burglar from Oregon and go to Chase's house. <laughs> okay, but no one's surprised by that. <laughs> 
I am. <laughs> you will be. You will be. <laughs> also. And I'll be safe. Holy I mean, man. What are you oh. going to chase me out of the room with? The zucchini? <laughs> Jesus is a friend of mine.